What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to Plizzold's podcast. We are back and filled with glitchy analysis and freezing cold takes that are so cold they're boiling hot. Thank God that we're back. I apologize to all of our loyal listeners out there. I have been absolutely down bad with the flu over the past week. Now we are back and better than ever. We are going to get into a lot of stuff today. We're going to talk about this weekend's news, mainly the college football playoff. We are also going to talk about our college football top 10 in the power rankings, and we're going to discuss possibly some locks. We'll have to wait and see on that to the very end. Stay tuned. Let's get into it with this weekend's news today. The USA men's team, they're finally done. The dream for now is over. I'm very happy to say, though, that there's a lot of promise. There's a lot of potential with this team. They lost 3-1 to one to the Netherlands on Saturday. Uh, they are out of the round of 16, which is about where people projected them to finish. I thought they played very well. They only gave up like a combined, I think, five or six goals the entire time, which is great. Um, moving forward, I think going into 2026, the men's team has the potential to make it to uh, maybe the round of eight, maybe the quarterfinals. That'd be pretty cool. I'd be very pleasantly surprised to see them move further than that, uh, maybe even to winning the World Cup. But I'm not a soccer expert. I'm not going to claim to be a soccer expert. Uh, these guys are young, so that's all I can go off of. They have a lot of potential. I'm excited to see where they are headed towards. Uh, I'm very confident in the players, not so much the coaching. But other than that, men's team out of the round of 16, that's okay. We still support our country, but now we're going to move on into the most important news of the weekend. The college football playoff committee has finally released the last top 25 rankings before the college football playoff commits. This past weekend was championship weekend. We saw some really exciting games, some phenomenal finishes, uh, most notably the two that we everybody was paying attention to. USC versus Utah and TCU versus Kansas State. USC got absolutely destroyed by Utah. Look, this USC team is much farther uh, much farther ahead than anybody was projecting. They only lost one game the entire regular season. If you were to say that in a coach's first season, that's phenomenal. I mean, that's miles ahead of almost anybody else in the country, even farther ahead than Brian Kelly, who was the shock of the, the year. Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the nation. Uh, in my opinion, he is probably the Heisman winner. Uh, he's had a phenomenal season. He's outplayed all the other quarterbacks in the competition, including Max Duggan and CJ Stroud. Personally, I think he's going to be the number one pick of next year's draft. I'm really excited to see what he could do next season. I project him to have a really phenomenal junior year, considering that USC is going to still be in that Pac-12 and play that week schedule. He should run up his numbers. That being said, USC lost. Utah upset them. They are now out of the college football playoff. In comes Ohio State. Now we move on to Saturday. Alabama fans across the country were watching that TCU game, and I don't think there were any bigger Kansas State fans in the entire country, including Kansas State fans, than the loyal Alabama fans that stood there and watched that game what Alabama needed to happen basically was a Kansas State blowout over TCU 
and they did not get that. Kansas State did win the game, but it took an overtime finish for them to get that done. And for the college football playoff committee, that was not enough to take TCU out of the top four. It was not even enough to take TCU out of their number three spot. So for the college football playoff, we've got Georgia playing Ohio State and Michigan playing TCU. The winners of those two games will play each other for the college football championship. Now, in my opinion, the college football playoff committee or whatever is just completely fraudulent. There are no set criteria. These are just 12 to 13 uh, men in a room just discussing what they think is best. Uh, I am personally a fan of them expanding the college football playoff to 12. However, the state of college football is in shambles. And here are my notes that I would take to fix football. Look, now with NIL, this is now minor league football. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, these are pay-for-play players. You've got players entering the transfer portal. You've got players coming out of high school. They're advertising themselves as commodities. These are not student athletes. These are just athletes now, okay? Yes, they're graduating from college, but that is the last thing on their mind when the regular season comes around. So to fix this issue, I'm fine with NIL. I support it. These players should not have to play these games. They're forced to play these games. You have to be three years removed from high school to enter into the NFL draft. That's not these players' fault, but they have to sit here and play for these colleges if they want an NFL team to look at them. So at least let them get paid. A scholarship is not, and I repeat, is not equal compensation for the amount of dollars that these players at big universities are bringing into these schools. I mean, you could argue it's not even close for small-time schools with big-time players. Like Coastal Carolina, for example, has seen a massive uptick in revenue for their football tickets, for their jersey sales, for their advertisements, for their TV deals. And it's thanks to those players, not the university, not the boosters. It is the people who are playing the games. They deserve to get paid for their image and their likeness, their play, their good play. People think that pay for play, that's not okay, but that's what they're doing. Your name, image, and likeness, if you are terrible, nobody's going to pay you. So this is pay for good play. That's what it's really about. Anyways, back to what I was trying to say. We need a CEO or a commissioner of college football. And that needs to be the first thing that happens. The next thing that happens, there only needs to be one super conference. And I'm going to combine what the NFL does and what European soccer does with their ranked tier leagues. Okay. So I think there should be 32 major college football teams that are in the main conference, okay? If you are the worst performers in that conference, then you get moved down to the next tier of 32 teams, okay? The best performers in the second tier of teams move up to the top tier of college football. So let's say, for example, Miami is in this top tier, and they go 3-9 and nine in a regular season. That means that Miami is going to lose their spot in the top conference and they're going to go down. And let's say NC State has a phenomenal year and goes 11-1 and in their second tier football conference. That means they get to move up and play with the big dogs next year. And if they can compete, they can stay. That's how college football should work from now on. Look, people are not watching college football for these niche schools like Colorado or Oregon State. People are watching college football for the big brands. They're looking for USC, 
Alabama, Notre Dame, Michigan, Miami. They are not looking for these small-tiered schools. I think what college football has done so far by combining Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12, SEC, I think that's a great idea because you're consolidating power, and that is what needs to happen to the point where there is like a president of college football, okay? The third thing that needs to happen, we need to set a cap on NIL. Yes, I am a fan for big brands controlling the powers of college football. I am not a fan of only having three or four teams that control the powers of college football. This does not need to be the MLB. This does not need to be even the form of the NBA where you can pay for super teams, okay? There needs to be some kind of cap on how much money you can pay either a player or a team as a whole. Are there salaries? I don't know. That's a tough conversation to have. But guess whose decision that will be? The CEO of college football. So let's get that taken care of, okay? There needs to either be a 12, 14, or 16-team playoff. The NFL has 32 teams. They do a 14-team playoff, okay? 12's fine with me. 14's fine with me. 16's fine with me. Either way, you need to have a championship game in every single conference that consists of that. The main championship, obviously, in the top tier of college football. Now, this will initially be set by eye test. If you want to be in the top 12 of your college football playoff rankings, you need to be a really good team. Does that mean you can lose a couple of games? Yes. But in your other games, you need to show that you are dominant. It needs to be based off of eye test and record, just like college football does now. But there's not so many variables. There's a select amount of teams that you can choose from rather than saying, oh, well, I think Mississippi State is a top 10 program when Mississippi State is in the second-tier conference, okay? Let's be honest. Kansas State just won the Big 12 championship game. They beat TCU, yes, okay? Are they college football playoff contenders? No. I do not want them anywhere near my college football playoffs. I would like to see Texas, Alabama, USC. I want the big brands with the big talent, the fat paycheck coaches. That's who I want in my college football playoffs because, to be honest, they're the most talented teams. I want to see best against best. I want to see ones against one. And, yes, for the small schools and the underdog stories, that doesn't work. But you still have a shot. It just takes you longer, and it takes harder work to get there. And that's okay. That's what being less talented is all about. It's about outworking the top-tier talent. Okay, If it's just given to you on a whim, like, for example, uh, USC was given this year because of their staunch 11-1 record, then yeah. Okay, USC played one serious opponent this entire year, Utah. What happened the two times they played them? They lost. Who did Utah lose to? Utah is now the Pac-12 champion. Who do they lose to? A 6-6 Florida team. That is the problem in college football right now. You've got a team like Florida who can go up against the best of the best out of the conference, but then they come back in and they have to go on the road to play Georgia. They have to play LSU right after that. They've got to play at Tennessee. They've got to play South Carolina. 
I mean, you go over and over again. And this is even worse than the SEC West. I think this is actually a problem for the Big Ten, too. Let's talk about the division that Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are in. Okay? Penn State lost twice this year. Who do they lose to? Two teams in the college football playoff. Okay? But somehow, the people think that Kansas State or maybe even Oregon State or something like along those lines are remotely close to competing with Penn State. They're not. It's plain simple. It's not that hard. Yes, there are fluke games. There is stuff that happens. Okay, Somehow, Oregon State walks into, I don't know, uh, Wisconsin and beats them. Whoop-de-doo. You put that game on a neutral site and play that game 100 times, the more talented team wins 95 times out of 100. Honestly, the underdog story is not the story that I want to hear. I am in full support of having a school like Georgia State, who is a Sunbelt school. If Georgia State somehow pulls their recruitment together and puts together a top-tier talented team fit for competing against other schools like Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, et cetera, et cetera, let them do it. They can go ahead. And guess what? They've got to compete within the conference that they're in. They've got to move up in the rankings, and then we can discuss where they are in the next conference. They've got to compete within that conference, maybe move up again, and then they can compete. Now, yes, it's a long road. It's a hard road, but it definitely beats having them even considered for uh, permanent recognition within a college football playoff system where you can only pick 12 teams. Now, yes, we have the occasional Appalachian State beating Texas A&M, but you cannot tell me the last time that that happened. You know why? Because it doesn't happen. Now, what is something that's interesting is like I would consider Texas A&M right now a Tier 1 conference school in the first group of 32. Uh, North Carolina, I would consider them in the second group of 32. Appalachian State, I would probably consider them in the third. The third can compete with the second. The second can sometimes compete with the first. It's very, very, very rare for that third group to compete with the first group. And that's why I like to keep them separated to where you really have to earn your stripes to compete with the big dogs. Now, that's, you know, 1% elitist stuff, but college football doesn't have a lot of the problems that the real world has. Um, it's not extremely applicable, but I can understand that argument. But I do think that this is the best way to go for college football to continue to thrive and be as exciting as we all want it to be and as we've all remembered it to be. Now, that being said, I'm going to talk to y'all about my top 10 football teams right this second. Now, this is not top 10 rankings for like the whole season. This is who do I think is playing the best football right now. Number one, Georgia. Easy. Not even close. Georgia is going to win the national championship. They're going to beat Ohio State. It's not really that arguable. Number two, Michigan. Michigan has played good football. They've won all their games. I don't have anything to knock them by. Do I think they're Georgia? No, but they are 13-0, and that is something to hang their hat on. Number three, it's a shocker. I know. I don't care. It's Alabama. They've got the greatest coach in college football history, They've got one of the most talented rosters in college football history. They've got 
a top five quarterback. They have a top five defensive player. You can't count this team out. I know they lost by a combined four points. Okay, it's only four points on the road against two top 25 teams. Both of those teams uh, were phenomenal. Uh, one of them was a, a one loss up until their quarterback tore their ACL. The other one, uh, four loss, yes, but competed in the SEC championship game. Okay, we're talking about two great programs that beat them at home by a combined four points at the last seconds of the game. Okay, number four, I got to give it to Ohio State. I think they had a really bad game against Michigan, but their other games, they looked pretty good. Uh, their Notre Dame win now looks more and more impressive as time goes on because Notre Dame finally turned it around. Number five, TCU. I'm not going to knock them that much. I don't think they're a top five team, but Max Duggan, oh my goodness, man. That guy is a warrior. He has played through almost anything you can imagine. He had open heart surgery weeks before the season, came back, took his starting job back, and now he's a Heisman candidate. I give him all the props in the world. I think TCU could possibly make some noise against Michigan, but they are my number five team. I just Their talent is not close to these other four schools that are ranked ahead of them. That being said, they're number five. Number six, Penn State. They had two losses to two of the teams that are in the top four. Okay, that's all I got to say about it. I think Franklin is a great coach. They have a talented roster, and it's really, really hard to beat them at home. Them away game or a neutral site is a different story, but my goodness is that stadium just electric. I love Penn State, their roster, their chemistry. It looks well. Uh, it looks good, but I have to give the edge to all these other schools that are in front of them. That being said, number seven, USC. Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in college football, hands down. You can't argue with me about it. The man is a dog, okay? He is going to be the Heisman winner. He gave his all this entire season. He's only a sophomore, and he carried this USC team to the Pac-12 championship. He's on a new roster. He, I mean, he has the same coach, but it's a coach and a quarterback both in their first year at a new school, and they went 11-2. and That's extremely impressive. So USC, number seven. Number eight, South Carolina. Now that, my friends, is what we like to call a dark horse. And they have played out of their minds over the last two or three weeks. Okay? I love where Spencer Rattler is at right now. I don't know if he's going to declare for the draft. I love him as a quarterback prospect. This South Carolina team just is playing with electricity and chemistry. They hung 63 on Tennessee, which is so impressive. Tennessee would have been in the playoff if they didn't lose uh, that game and Hendon Hooker didn't tear his ACL, but oh my goodness. And then for South Carolina to follow that up with a huge win at Clemson, breaking their massive home game win streak, you can't say enough about that. That is why, to me, South Carolina is in my top 10. Number nine, Utah. Look, they have they have two wins against Best team in the Pac-12. They are Pac-12 champions. Yes, they have a couple of ugly losses, but I mean, my goodness, when it comes to playing these top-tier teams, Utah's there. Utah's about it. I like their quarterback. I like their defense. They showed a lot of fight in the Pac-12 championship game. If it wasn't for their bad losses, I would put them closer to the top five. 
but you can't lose to a 6-6 six six Florida, and you can't lose to Arizona. That's really, really bad. But, like I said, Utah, number 9. Number 10 on my list, Tennessee. Look, I know Hooker tore his ACL. This has probably been one of the most impressive seasons that I've seen from a Tennessee team with a lot of high expectations. I think they would have gotten into the playoffs if it wasn't for them dropping that game to South Carolina. I thought they looked better than Ohio State this entire year. They got stomped by Georgia, but so has every other team that's played Georgia. That's not surprising to me, but that's my top 10, okay? That's what I wanted to see from the top 10 teams. It's more about eye test rather than record. Your record doesn't mean near as much as what you put on the field, the talent that you have on the field, and the coaches and mainly the quarterbacks that are on the field as well. All 10 of these teams either have elite, elite defenses or or skill position groups or elite quarterback play, okay? Eight of these 10 teams have elite quarterback play. That's what we're really looking at, in my opinion. But the rest of the team is still important, and that's why I've got teams like Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama in my top four. I think that they're the most well-rounded teams with some really, really good quarterback play. That's going to do it for my top 10. Now, we're going to move in to the most underrated, overrated segment in the entire country for sports podcasting, and that's Plaisance Locks. Okay, look, today, I'm going to be honest. I don't have a lock for you guys. I'm not going not gonna to sit here every day and pretend like I have a lock. Okay, Today, no locks, and that's okay. Keep your money, stick in your pocket, don't worry about it, okay? We'll get some tomorrow. I did want to keep you guys updated, though. We had quite a few games over the break that I took while I was sick with the flu. I still made my locks, and guess what? We're 22-8 and on this season, okay? If you're riding with me, $100 on a minus 110, which is what almost all of these bets are, $100 a bet on these minus 110, 22 and 8, that means you're gambling $3,000 to win 1980. Okay, that's almost a 66% profit. You're kidding me. They might as well give me the castle to Vegas, the keys to the city of Las Vegas. I have cracked the code. Continue riding with me. We are going to continue to rob these casinos. We love to see when Plaisance locks are at the top of the boards. I want you to win just as badly as I want to win. Okay, So tomorrow, I bet you will have some locks. 22-8 and eight on the year. I just wanted to strut my walk and talk that talk because we are doing it. We're living that life. That being said, that's going to conclude our episode today. We will see you guys tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.